This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. New interface, more troubles. Um, hi everybody, my name's Tim Elliott. Um, I'm a working as an experienced designer at um, a company called Jane Software. I wanted to put this talk to everyone because recently I had to immerse myself in the new medium of conversational interfaces, um, and namely chatbots. Um, so I just thought it might be a good chance to be able to like share my learnings and the key differences between like a visual UI and a conversational UI. Okay, so I'm going to cover the basic sort of overarching conceptual differences and similarities, and then I'm going to go into differences between the engagement, the design approach, the process, and the team. I'm going to talk quite fast, so I'm sorry. Um, it's a new old medium, conversations. We've been doing it since we could grunt, you know. Um, if you need to enter into this world, read this book. Um, Erica Hall just covers so much, and it'll shortcut absolutely everything you need to do. Um, don't hit the blogs first, hit this book. Um, oh, the hope, Bots or so 2016. I think we're currently in the trough of disillusionment, and, um, but it's sort of been around long enough that businesses want to start using this medium. What we need to do is to do real, solid, useful experiences to push this up into the plateau of productivity. Um, chatbots and AI aren't everything they've been told to be. It's alive. These things live inside humans. So conversational UIs are different to visual. Um, you, they only come alive when you're interacting with them. So th the prototyping, designing, and iterating process is quite different. Um, but the underlying principles and the humanity aspect of an interface still applies from HCI. Moment by moment, supporting the user. I built this as a bit of a framework for myself and my team out of Erica's book. Um, if you can't answer all of these aspects at any point in time in the experience, you need to improve it. It also helps in testing if someone's having friction. You can show them this afterwards and go, where was it you thought you had trouble with this? Um, map it out. If you can't show it, you don't know it. A bot is a system of systems. So if you're going to reach into it, research all the systems, the architectural, the business, the project, the conversational aspects. Map it out so you get it. Um, Nonlinear, smooth conversations are messy. This is a snapshot of a partial bit of a bot that's live, and this isn't all the like fallback and error handling stuff. So to have a smooth experience, you've got to account for a lot of things and loops and stuff, and that can only be done through iterations. Um, form follows function, you're following, you're fooling no one. Like, keep it simple. Capable, robust conversations rule. Nobody likes a chirpy idiot. The, the first step usually is to put, lay out personality. But the analogy I sort of use is here in this hotel, if you come across great service with a, an interaction there, quite often there's not a lot of personality, but you get what you need, when you need it, and your needs are understood. It's only later that that practitioner learned to put personality on top of their service delivery. Context is key. Users are crazy. I mean, you know, we all know this. But they're extremely changeable. Um, users will interact with a bot differently on their mood, the device, the channel, um, and probably the weather. So you really need to test this and test it hard. Um, more on testing soon. Um, people behave in weird and wonderful ways. I mean, we know this, right? Um, when you stop, they only start dancing when you stop watching. Um, so the best thing is at some point to move into monitoring live sessions with users when you're not in the room. Um, and this will transfer into once you go live into the market as well. And you, you can't imagine how rude these people can be. So you've got to account for this stuff, right? 
Um, I want to do one thing, but I end up doing another. The cognitive dissonance seems to be quite large in these conversational interfaces. Like, users going, I wanted to do this one thing, but I ended up behaving in this different way. Isn't that weird? So you can't account for this. You can be logic in your conversation originally, but you need to be able to tune for the users who are using it, because everyone's got a different way of behaving. Um, what if I told you people don't like it when you don't finish it? Only test complete experiences. Um, in visual UI, you can have a non-functional button. In testing and stuff, people will go, oh yeah, I tried to click, it didn't work. If in someone's experience, if they run up against a dead end in a bot, they've lost it. Um, and that happens in, in the real world, in the wild. People will just leave these bots at the drop of a hat. You need to complete everything before you test it. Word to the wise. Um, changes the test and learn that you're wrong. So um, iterate during testing. I mean, it's not pure, but what I found works is say two sessions in the morning, learn from that, change, the, uh, change what's going on. You can tweak these interfaces really quickly. Tiny little changes make a massive difference. And so say 10, 10 sessions over a week, your experience will be miles ahead because you've managed to do so many iterations with real people at the time. Engagement differences. So now I'll cover the engagement and that sort of stuff. Three minutes left, that's cool. Um, <laughs> start internal to the business, test with them, and then engage the users after that. Um, engage legal risk and compliance really early. This is new technology. They might not have come across it before. If you don't get them on board, they're gonna, you know, it's not gonna get to market. But, um, and the great thing about these is you can have interactive mock-ups really early on. Share it with them, get them in, and um, your life will actually be successful. <laughs> um, cadence will increase over time until iterations in minutes. Uh, because you can directly affect the final system, and once you get really confident at this particular domain expertise, you can really change things fast. Um, it's a great way to engage the broader business, so use workshops, people love getting in, having their input, seeing it reflected back to them, and you can gain more momentum then. The design approach. This is an intimate thing. Um, go in and soak up people's business culture, their language, the way they work. This is going to be the seed for the conversation. Remember, keep it simple. Learn to ask the unasked questions in the user's mind. You know, it's that next level. That can be done through research and discovery, like what are they trying to achieve, that sort of stuff. And it's going to grow out of you as a designer. So you've got to be ready to be at the center of all, be clear, um, and be able to communicate what's going on. Okay, and then on to the process differences. Um, there's going to be varying workflows, tools, and ways of working. Um, the development and um, design dynamic is different. As designers, you can quite often treat the production level thing. Um, so there's different sort of ways of working there. Be very clear with a versioning and a design system. We created our own because I was having troubles with tracking where the changes were. If you need to add a comma somewhere, how do you know it's been done and it hasn't affected something else? And then the design workflow. So this is a model of me mapping out one of the design workflows. So research at the top, swim lane, you go into design, mock-up, test, design, prototype, test, build, train the AI, go back to design again. Um, so that's indicative of how it's going to feel. It's certainly not linear. Um, and this leads to team differences. So um, use writers and collaborate with other designers. You're way too close to this thing. You know, you know how to use it, you made it, you're really hurting it when you try to test yourself. With developers, find people that are happy to hack and iterate quickly. This isn't a linear process. There's complicated systems, so a broad view is necessary. Niche operators can cause problems because they can go in and fix a problem without understanding they've affected this system of systems. Work close physically because it's a tangible experience thing and the cadence and nuance is quite high. 
I work with remote teams a lot and there's a lot of friction around that. Okay, so I'm at the end here. Here's the references. The book is Conversational Design by Erica Hall. The tool for system mapping I use is called Plectical, which you would have seen a few diagrams. And the online resources developers, Google for design, um, start there. They've got great principles and it's based around voice, not text. So that's where we're going to be. And the final one is a great one on anthropology and chatbots. Thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> have we got any time? I might have time for a question if anybody wants a quick question. You can do one. One. If you're near me. No, okay. No. Um, come and find me later if you want. Have a chat. Get in touch with me otherwise. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.